Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedotin with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place with a show for every team in Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss this week's NFL Combine. Joe, we'll discuss your Combine and thoughts. But first, I wanted to note three players that I'm really excited to see um, this week. The first, Lucas Kroll is a tight end at Pitt. And, you know, he's a guy the Chiefs probably won't be interested in, obviously, with Kelsey and they, they like uh, Noah Gray, who they drafted last year. But Kroll's interesting. He went to Mill Valley, which is a you know, greater Kansas City school. Uh, and the Giants, actually, the San Francisco Giants, drafted him in baseball. He can throw 98 miles per hour, so an interesting guy. The other one, uh, offensive tackle at Ohio State. Again, the Chiefs, probably not an uh, area of need after – they really overhauled the offensive line so extensively last year, but his name is Nicholas Petit Ferrer. And I really, if he could block for Clyde Edwards, Elaire, that almost is worth picking him just, just <laughs> for that kind of alliteration to have <laughs> Petit Ferrer blocking for Edwards, Elaire. Yeah. Then getting a little bit more serious, the, the one, you know, I'm editing Dane Brugler's uh, draft guide for the athletic and um, he has the Chiefs in the first round taking Daxton Hill, 30th overall, uh, out of Michigan. And he's, a, he's an interesting player. He's a cornerback safety hybrid. So he could be kind of like – he could be, be kind of like Matthew, Tyrant Matthew, that, you know, he plays a little bit of slot corner. He plays some safety, a hybrid guy you can move around, which is so valuable uh, for today's NFL. And his brother – Actually, Justice Hill was on the Ravens, a good running back on the Ravens, mm-hmm. one of the guys who suffered a season-ending injury, uh, one of the many running backs who uh, unfortunately missed the year for them. Anyhow, so those are three, just for listeners, for Chiefs fans, three kind of interesting guys, and, and one will be a fun week. Definitely, Jeff. And, and, you know, look, this is the beginning of it, right? This is where the NFL teams put a lot of the college hype behind them and start looking at these players with, uh, you know, under a microscope, so to speak, and to see where they, where they go. It's always interesting, interesting to see the notables who do not go to the combine and who do not participate, you know, and it's also interesting to see, you know, whose draft status changes because of the combine, right? You get those, you know, those, uh, those combine heroes, as they like to call them, that have all the measurables, but then, you know, for some reason doesn't really translate out onto the field. So, you know, there's a lot to be said about the next couple of days and weeks at, uh, as the NFL teams are va- evaluating these players and seeing them a lot of times for the first time up close. You know, I mean, you sit in these meeting rooms with the with the coaches and the general managers and, you know, you get to be evaluated by their, you know, training staff one-on-one. So it's, it's a definitely an intimate environment. It was, it was, it was, it was eye-opening for me, you know, coming from a small school, you know, like Penn. And then all of a sudden, you know, my roommate was, you know, on the, uh, you know, one of the national championship teams at Colorado, right. Offensive tackle, Ariel Solomon. 
And it can go either way for guys. You know, they can start to look at the players around them and say, yeah, I can, I, I deserve to be here. Or you can say, man, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, I could have gone either way. My own personal opinion, I could have gone either way with it. You know, like, what am I doing here? Like, what am I doing, you know, after having, you know, competed in the Ivy League with guys from, you know, the Big 12, the Big 10, you know, the ACC, the SEC, the Pac-10, you know, at the time, the Pac-10, uh, you know, and it was just, it was really interesting experience for me. Um, and I, I got, when I got there, you know, to the combine, it was after having played in the East-West Shrine game and getting a chance to compete against guys from Oklahoma and Nebraska and Tennessee and all those things. So it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a whirlwind these, these couple of weeks and months because um, players are going from, you know, some time off in the off season, right. For their seasons ending, if you were lucky enough to play deep, you know, a deep bowl game sometime in late December, early January. And then all of a sudden you're now going off to an all-star game heading to the combine. It's, it's tiring and it's exhausting for some players, especially the ones who are trying to move up. You know, there's always, look, Jeff, there's always going to be a, a top 10 to top 15, maybe let's call it even a top 20 group that, you kind of already can predict where mm -hmm. they're going to go based on the team's needs. But everything after that is like, it's all fair game at that point, you know, where players are going to go and where they're going to end up. And these couple of weeks between all-star games and combine are going to say a lot about it. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody I'd have to go back and look, Jeff, you know, that would, be, that would actually be a fun, you know, project for a real chiefs fan, right? Go back and look and see in the last couple of drafts, you know, if there were any of the pundits that predicted where the Chiefs would pick, right? Did anybody think that the Chiefs would get Clyde Edwards Alaire and if he if he would be the player they would pick, or even like a Patrick Mahomes? I mean, you know, you you did call uh, the Chiefs. You said the Chiefs were going to pick a running back that year. So you actually you might I don't know if you I, said Ch, but that's that's pretty that's a pretty good prediction. So yeah, I was, I was definitely closer on that because I just felt like at the time, that's what they needed to do. You know, they were pretty lean at running back and they were going to need to find a steal. I, I, and I was really impressed with that Joe, because I actually, you know, in during Andrew's long NFL history, he had not taken running backs. Number one, I think his highest before that might've been LaShawn McCoy. Uh, but he usually, you know, he would like to bulk up on kind of both sides of the line, offensive line, defensive line. That's really what he targeted, but certainly not running backs. So that was yeah. uh, tip of the hat to you. Uh, well, I, th I, I, I think Jeff, you know, the draft is chiefs fans are starting to look at the draft. You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a lot to look at and unpack when you're thinking about the draft, right? Because for me, you have to look at number one, you have to look at what the team needs and, and can they get somebody that's going to help them make an immediate impact? at a position where immediate impacts are a little bit easier. Now, shame on me for not thinking that the chiefs could have two rookies on the offensive line, make a huge impact. I mean, that's, that is not always the case, Jeff, you know, the, the offensive line is a very mature position and getting somebody um, like, you know, uh, Creed Humphrey uh, to come in and have the kind of season Trey Smith coming in to have the seasons that they had as rookies is pretty amazing. Like that's, you know, um, so, but I th always think running back defensive back, there's a certain amount of athleticism that those positions, especially if you played at a big school, 
you can sort of make the transition a little bit easier, I think. I I just think there are certain positions that are what I would call mature positions, and then there's just pure athlete positions. And, you know, it depends on what kind of coaching staff you have to bring those players along. But I would definitely put running – or I would definitely put offensive and defensive line, linebacker, um, and even to a certain degree, I may even throw quarterback into the what I would call mature position group. Um, where you need to at least get your feet wet, you know, D back, running back, wide receiver. I think you can have a little bit more natural talent where you can make an impact a little quicker. That's my 30,000 foot view of how I look at it. Then it comes down to needs. Mm-hmm. The chiefs should absolutely stay away from a first round offensive line pick. I really, I, there's just, there's probably no reason for them to do that. Right. So that's one I think we can eliminate. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, you know, I'm still going for Petit Ferreira if he's available yeah. <laughs> in the early rounds. Yeah. And, and yeah, more more on Joe's thoughts, uh, both from his personal experience and also thoughts on this year's crop. But first, football might be over this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V. And it's not just basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds. Right to Olympic coverage. to the And it's the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Uh, Joe, you know, uh, interesting. The last couple of years, two years ago, you said uh, the guy you really liked at the combine or going into the combine was Tristan Wirfs. And boy, Joe, you nailed it. I mean, he from the get go as an offensive lineman for the Bucks, he's been one of the best players in the NFL, like a pretty much a Pro Bowl level player, right, right from the start. Last year, you liked um, Owe from uh, from Penn State, who 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 had some big moments. Unfortunately, against the Chiefs, uh, forced that fumble of Edwards Elaire. Anybody? I know it's early in the process. Anybody you're interested, really, that kind of any prospects that really you know that you saw that you're interested in here. Well, you know, I did watch, I watched uh, quite a bit of Michigan this year. And I, I really think, you know, I think Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson has all of the, he's got all the edge defender stuff that, that a team would need. Mm. I think, I, I think he's, he's stout enough against the run. He obviously proved himself as a pass rusher. He's quick. He's powerful. A lot of players you could compare him to, you know, he has the measurables of, I, I think he's definitely somebody, somebody in that mix, um, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, right? I mean, another, I just, you know, those positions to me, like, of course, I'm, of course I'm going to look at the offensive line first and, and what Mm -hmm. prospects are there because that's the position I played. And I love analyzing the offensive line. I love seeing the types of players that are out there that can make the, um, that can make that transition to the NFL. But, you know, there is something to be said about, you know, sort of the, the, the sexiness of, of the, uh, of the edge rusher. And I mm-hmm. think there's a couple of really good ones in this draft. I think Aiden Hutchinson, who I've had a chance to watch a lot of Michigan uh, this year, for whatever reason, they, I always seem to be catching them on Saturdays. 
you know, obviously he's got the family history and, you know, all that stuff and beating out his, his family, his dad for the, for the, for the sack, sack title, which is really cool. I remember seeing that story. So I think there's something to be said there. You know, I think Kayvon Thibodeau, I mean, he's could be a game changer um, for, for a team, but I, I think, I think, I mean, I was, you know, I was watching little ESPN this morning and, you know, I think, I think this is one of the deepest, you know, offensive line uh, drafts that are out there. Um, and I think, you know, people are saying it could, could it be the first time in a long time? What's since Eric Fisher, right? Where a lineman goes first, uh, in the draft. Am I correct? And he was the last offensive lineman taken number one overall. Is that you are? And you also nailed it on the head that this is a draft that it's a weird draft that teams need quarterbacks so much, but there's not a lot of great quarterbacks, not, not a ton of running back, but both lines of scrimmage a lot, especially edge rushers, a lot of edge rushers and a lot of really good depth at offensive line too. wide receiver is another position, more of a need for the chiefs that, 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 that has great depth in this, this NFL draft. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of who's, you know, of who's going to, you know, who's going to be around for them. Right. I mean, it's, it's, you get past, you know, number 20 and, you know, it could be, you know, it could be a little bit of a, uh, you know, to use a gambling term, it could be a little bit of a, a little bit of a crapshoot, you know, and uh, when you get down to number 30, you know, you don't know how teams are going to be jockeying for positions and, and, and who are going to be looking at, you know, at different, uh, you know, at different needs that they have right on that last day when somebody's there, it's, guys can slip guys can move up and you know you just you just never know um that's the fun of the draft and this draft another thing about this draft is they're saying uh that it it doesn't have quite the premier top level talent that last year's did but has great depth so you know for the chiefs they have some uh multiple third round picks you know that might be around more uh where they, they the chiefs end up actually finding um so, some better value than, than in the first round. And you mentioned that late first round pick number 30, Brett Veach is so aggressive that the chiefs very well may not be picking at 30. He often trades for another player or trades out or um, so we'll see if they end up actually picking it. Um, yeah. I mean, and also it depends too what they, what, you know, what's going on inside the little war room there, as far as who's going to be around and who's mm-hmm. going to stay. I mean, does, you know, is it safety? You know, if we, we figure out what's going to happen with Teran Matthew, I mean, you know, could it be, you know, uh, you know, a Kyle Hamilton, could it be a Daxton Hill if he slips, right? right? You mentioned right. that name earlier. Could it, yeah. could it be somebody uh, like that? Now, Kyle Hamilton, obviously is going to go super early. Um, you know, he just had a great career at Notre Dame, but I think, you know, uh, Daxton Hill could be that one that just, just makes that slip down or, if they feel like that is the biggest need and he can make an impact next year, maybe they, you know, they, they like you said, Brett is, he's, he's aggressive and, and maybe he makes the uh, you know, he makes the trade to, to move up to get somebody like that. It's, it's fun. I mean, this, you know, that's why, you know, we want fans to keep on listening and, and, and to our pod and, and to keep, you know, keep seeing what's going on in the NFL. Cause this is, this is a fun time. I mean, this is, this is what, you know, what the, what fans look for, uh, you know, to keep them busy in the off season. Now that we're not, you know, completely consumed on Sundays and Monday nights and, and what's going on with the games themselves. I mean, this is a chance to see how teams are going to position themselves. Watch what other teams are doing. You know, that's fun for fans, right? What are, what are the chargers doing? What are the bills doing? 
you know, what are the Raiders doing? Look at the AFC West, the Bengals. They got, they got some needs. I mean, here they were a team that went to the Super Bowl. I think they've got a ton of needs. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see who's jockeying for that one little piece, Jeff, that gets them, you know, to the big game that they can add, they can add to their arsenal. So much fun. I love, I love, uh, leading into the draft. Well, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Uh, Joe, so I want to jump back uh, to, to your time at the Combine. What was, you know, a big part of the Combine, obviously, is, is all the events and the, the testing of the athletes. What, what was, like, your best event of the Combine, and what was, like, your worst event? I would probably say my best one that maybe caught some of the eyes of, you know, the chiefs and some of the other folks who maybe hadn't seen me play was probably my, what they call the pro shuttle, Jeff. Uh And the pro shuttle is where you start with your hand on a yard line, right? Mm -hmm. Let's call it, you know, let's call it the, uh, the five yard line, right? So you put your hand down. And then you have to shuffle to the goal line. So you have to shuffle five yards. Then you have to sprint 10, touch that line, right? So you'd go from the five to the zero, back to the 10, and then cross that middle line that you started on, right? So it's, it's basically you're covering 20 yards. They call it the 20-yard pro shuttle or, or the pro shuttle. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, or, uh, sports teams that use that because it just it gauges how you operate mm-hmm. in a small space especially for the big guys, right? I mean, yeah, you know, there's a linebacker. Well, linebackers operate sometimes in a small space, but it's really important for the linemen. And then there's the 10-yard dash because, quite frank and honest, they could care less how, how fast an offensive <laughs> lineman's running 40, yard, 40 yards. Because if usually if an offensive lineman's running 40 yards, something bad happened. You know, either, either <laughs> it's an interception that you're never going to catch the person who intercepted it, or it's a long pass that, you know, went to one of your own players that you're never going to catch that down the field. I mean, right. So if you're running 40 yards as an offensive lineman, it's usually not good. Um, so, they, you know, they're really more involved with the 10 yard, the pro shuttle. They do like to see your explosion with the broad jump and the high jump, you know, the, the vertical leap you know, seeing how power, how you can generate power with your hips and moves. So I, you know, those were the things that I think I did well. I, I, you know, because I played basketball, Jeff, because I, I was a catcher in baseball, um, you know, I wrestled for a while in junior high school. Like, I think I had those kind of like small, we'll call them small field skills that, that allowed me to be a little bit more uh, ahead of some of my bigger competitors. I think one of the things too, Jeff, that set me apart at the combine, you know, I had, I, I was generally in, in, in at least the top five in every category 
I wasn't always the best. I didn't have the best 40. Uh-huh. I, did, I didn't have the best 10-yard, 20-yard shuttle. I didn't have the best vertical. But all of my scores on a general basis were somewhere in the top five. Um, one of the oddest things, Jeff, that I have, I had the largest hands of the NFL combine for the offensive <laughs> line. Bizarre statistic to remember, but they measure your hand. They put your hand on a table and they, they measure you from pinky to thumb as you mm-hmm. extend your hand out. And I had the biggest width of, or uh, distance from my pinky to my thumb of any offensive lineman. Some reason they like big hands. I don't know. They Joe, just... Joe, Joe, do you think that, you know, you were such a good uh, receiver the, uh, on catching all those touchdown passes that has to factor in, right? When you have a big hand like that, it's got to, you know, yeah, I mean, like it helped with, be, you know, help with me being as a catcher, Jeff. I mean, you know, Jeff, one of the things, you know, I think we've talked about this before on the pod before I'm a huge believer in, in, in athletics and, and, and doing different things to generate athleticism in your body. And I, I, I think I've said this before on the pod. I actually thought I was playing baseball in college, Jeff. I didn't think I was playing football in college until I, until about midway through my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. That's how long I went from that time thinking that I was actually going to go to college and compete collegiately in baseball and not football. So up until that point, until I started getting some recruiting letters from, from some division one double a schools, I didn't get any real East Carolina was probably the biggest football school that recruited me um, from a one a perspective. And that was the best opportunity I would have even had. And I, I actually didn't even take a visit there. Um, you know, I, I looked at William and Mary. Um, I looked at Penn. Um, I took a trip to, uh, you know, some other, you know, uh, schools that were a little bit sm- even smaller than that. So, you know, I wasn't really, you know, Brown, I went to Brown. Um, and, and so like, I didn't think I was going to even play football in college. So I think a lot of that factored into it, you know, that I wasn't just a, a big kid, like from the time I was little, like, Jeff, when I was when I was a junior in high school, let, let me put it this way. I'll even get, get even crazier. When I was a sophomore in high school, so think about this. When I had just turned 16 in high school, I was only five foot ten. I weighed about 170 pounds, hundred and something like that as a mm-hmm. sophomore. Five ten, one seventy, Jeff. You know, you'd be like, you played offensive. What? <laughs> like you played offensive line for the Chiefs? You're six five, three hundred pounds. Like I was not, I was a late bloomer. And I think actually that helped me. Yeah. You, you learned all those other athletic skills. You know, it's funny talking about hand size though, that I, I remember covering the combine in 2004, which is a great year to cover it because that was a spectacular quarterback draft. You had Philip Rivers, Eli Manning, um, and Ben Roethlisberger. And you also made me the best player in that draft was Larry Fitzgerald. And I remember when he took the podium, he like would, he wrapping his hands around the mic. It looked like his hands wrapped around about three times. So that's what made me think of like, I really do think, you know, you look at a lot of, uh, the really good receivers, they have huge hands and I think that must yeah. have helped you. Uh, well, it helped with basketball. It, it helped with basketball. It helped with catching as a catcher, you know, and, and um, 
you know, being able to have soft, you know, soft hands and, and receive a ball. So, yeah, there's, I think there's a lot to be said. And I think that's one of the fun things about the combine for, for the, for the management, you know, and for people like Brett Beach and, and the head coaches, they get to see these players in a little bit of a different environment. I mean, Carl Peterson told me one thing, you know, when I went to the combine, he said, look, Joe, everybody here can catch and run and throw and block. We've seen the film. We've seen you compete in an all-star game. Everybody can do that. They're also looking at the combine, the way you handle yourself. It's their first real, you know, interaction that they have with a lot of players in, in what I would call like an interview environment or to see them, you know, out on the field, the way they carry themselves, their body language, the way they, the way they interact with the other players who are, you know, out there. Um, you know, I think, I think a lot of it, you know, was too, was the long snapping, you know, I, I, you know, I spend, I spent a lot of time at the combine over with the long snappers. And, um, you know, I think I had some of the speed that they were looking for from a punt snapping perspective that, you know, gave me that one extra dimension, um, to be able to, to, to do that and to add that value to the team. So, you know, I think it was a big, you know, it was a, it was a lot. It, it, for me, it was a, it was huge for, for, for players who get invited to the combine from small schools. Trust me, you're one of 300 players, you know, out of a lot of players, Jeff, there's a, there's a lot of players who, who don't get invited to the combine and for the small school players, it is, it is the biggest stage because it's, it's the only time that you're ever going to be on the field, unless you're lucky enough to play in an all-star game against some of those guys. It's the only time you're going to, to share the field with, you know, the players from, you know, the USC's and the Michigan's and the Colorado's and the Penn State's. So it's, um, you have to look at it that way and you, you can't be intimidated. And I think coaches look for that, you know, and general managers, they're looking for the way that you, you react at the combine. You know, my favorite combine story, Jeff was, was I've told this before, was talking to Carl Peterson about my internship that I did um, the summer before at a financial advising firm. And he asked me about how I handled that internship. My dad, you know, told me um, when I went to that internship that, you know, you go to that, you go to that job and you do the work humbly. And, and I tell this story on, on my, on that YouTube channel that I have lessons from the gridiron where, you know, I, I, I went to that internship and I did everything I could to, to set myself apart. And Carl Peterson asked me about it at the combine. And he said, Joe, tell me about your internship. And I said, well, Mr. Peterson, what does doing an internship at a financial services firm have to do with running into 300 pound guys really fast? Like this isn't making any sense. And he said, it has everything to do with it. He's because the way you handled yourself, you know, at that, at that, uh, at that internship, because my, one of my best friends was the managing director of the office. And mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, Carl said, well, Joe, that's why, you know, that's why chances are very high that we're going to draft you uh, next month in the draft because of the way you handled yourself. Um, and, you know, so it, it proved to me that, you know, you never know who's watching you right in life. And that was the lesson that, that Carl shared with me is, you know, you never know who's watching. And if I had treated people differently at that internship and acted, acted, you know, you know, cocky or arrogant because I was, you know, finding good success in college. And, and there was, if there was ever a time in my life, I could have been a jerk. It was probably that time in my life. And, and, and Mr. Peterson really, re he recognized the fact that I didn't. And, and that to me is my, it's my favorite combine story, you know, that, that, you know, I, I can't believe I was at the NFL combine and he's asking me about a financial services internship I did the summer before. And it told me that the chiefs were interested in me more than just 
for those physical attributes. They were interested in me, interested in me for character and things you could bring to the locker room and not just what you could bring to the field. That, that made me feel really good. Uh, a great lesson and a great story. Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to start your day right. Your special blend of ingredients supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's also lifestyle-friendly and fits a wide range of diets. There's only one gram of sugar and no chemicals or artificial anything. So reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash believe. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Athletic Greens take ownership of your health. Uh, Joe, you were the uh, second round pick in that 1991 NFL draft. Some interesting names from that that draft. Brett Favre is probably the biggest one. Out of the offensive line, Eric Williams, who was just fantastic for those Cowboys teams. Eric Bieniemy was also in that draft. Did you did you have like any interactions or or form any bonds of uh, fellow players during that week, or were you just so busy? I'm just curious if any stories uh, on that front. Yeah, well, I met you know I had um, I had met Eric um, at the combine. Um, we overlapped with with the running backs because his my roommate at the combine at the hotel in Indianapolis was was a guy by the name of Ariel Solomon who ended up getting drafted by the Steelers so we were roommates and you know we got to got to know each other over those those several days right you're 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 bunking up with somebody and um you know I'd met Eric through through Ariel so yeah it was fun to get and then all of a sudden he's drafted by the Rangers and and then you know so I got to meet Eric when he was you know out in San Diego and like kind of rekindle that so we did get mm-hmm. to talk you know throughout our careers in the AFC West um, and and so you know yeah so so got, did get to know you know guys like Eric based on on those kind of relationships Ariel Solomon and I still today will you know connect on LinkedIn a little bit here and there and and uh, see what we're up to in our in our business pursuits um there was a I lot of those Joe, whoever had to share went to the combine John Altier and had to share a room with him right given given your the anecdotes yeah. you shared from the from yeah. those days yeah him him and him and Greg Minuski um <laughs> but you know we 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 could certainly certainly tell some stories um you know the uh you know, it was, it was, you know, obviously Brett Favre and I had built a little bit of a relationship um, from the East West Shrine game. Um, we had played together um, and, and, and got to know him and we, we hung out a little bit in San Jose uh, when we were out there at the East West Shrine game. And so got, got to know him, him pretty well. Um, there was, um, you know, John Flannery was uh, was a Pennsylvania guy who played at Syracuse. He played center. He was with the Oilers for for a bit. And then Chris Zorich went right before me in the draft with the Bears. He was the Notre Dame, famed Notre Dame defensive lineman. Um, you know, uh, Phil Hansen was another one, Division One AA guy out of North Dakota State. Went fifty fourth to the Buff to the Bills, and we also played uh, against each other in the uh, in the East West Shrine game. So we we had that relationship, and then obviously going on. To, 
to play the bill. So if th there was definitely Keith trailer, right. Uh, came out that year, we ended up being teammates, um, you know, and yeah, so it's fun. It's always fun to go Tim, you know, Tim, Tim Barnett was, you know, with the chiefs, he was, uh, you know, we, we got to, to know each other a little bit because of his cousin, uh, Fred, who was playing for the Eagles. Uh, so I met, you know, we chatted at the combine right. a little bit. Yeah. So there's a, definitely a, a group of, of, of players that you, you know, you remember from that draft class, um, you know, funny story. Uh, I'll never forget. I, I, I had never had any childhood, like things like the chicken pox or the measles or the mumps or anything like that growing up. And I'll never forget spending um, a big chunk of the East West shrine game in January, worrying if I was going to get sick because Jesse Campbell who was a safety out of North Carolina state ended up going to the Eagles, uh, two, two picks before I, I, before I went, uh, went to the chiefs. Um, he basically had the mumps and he was, we were practicing with him all the whole time. And he was coming off the elevator and we had shared an elevator a couple of times. And then one day he comes off the elevator and it looked like his, it looked like he had swallowed two softballs because wow. he had had the mumps. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to get the mumps. And I'm going to like, I'm going to miss the combine, you know? So like everybody job interview of your life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so, yeah. So there's always those little stories that, you know, that happen, um, you know, when you're, when you're kind of like, uh, you know, when you, when you wonder My, one of the most interesting stories, Jeff is, is uh, I look back on is um, getting to know through that process, Harry Gamble, who was the general manager of the Eagles at the time, mm -hmm. you know, it's my hometown team. I live in Philly. I went to college in Philly. Like Philly was the spot. And the um, what, after the draft, we had uh, the the Maxwell Club has a big. There's a big award ceremony. It's a big, pretty prestigious, and they have you know NFL Coach of the Year and NFL Player of the Year. They do the college Maxwell Awards and everything, and it's right on par. You know, they're trying to make it right on par there with like the Heisman, right, mm -hmm. competing with that. And I'll never forget meeting Mr. Gamble, uh, who had he had a history at Penn. He had he had coached at Penn in the seventies and he came up to me and he said, Hey, Joe, he's, and I said, Oh, Mr. Gamble, nice to meet you. And he said, uh, he said, listen, I just want to let you know, you're going to have a great time out in Kansas city with Carl Peterson. He's a good friend, you know, Philadelphia connection through the Eagles and everything. And he said, uh, listen, I just wanted to let you know one thing, you know, Carl got, they, they got you right before he goes, I just want you to know that if you were still around on the board, we were going to pick you in the third round with our third round draft pick. And it was like, at the time, you know, got to be honest, right? It's my, look, I loved my time with the chiefs, of course, but like, you know, imagine you're from, you know, your hometown hero says to you, you were going to be the next pick. Had you not right. you know, oh, man. around oh, on the man. board. So I'll never forget, you know, him telling me that and thinking, oh man, I, you know, there was a chance I could have been an Eagle, right? I could have lived in Philly you with the college home. And played for yeah. the Eagles, but but look, I have no regrets and so glad of my time in, in Kansas City. It's it's tough. It's tough to play in your hometown. You know, it's it's I don't I never really envied players. Uh, I, I knew a couple of guys, Tom Ricketts, who was with the Chiefs for a while. He he played um, with the Steelers, grew up in Pittsburgh, went to Pitt, played for the Steelers. It was tough. It's a tough road to hoe uh, when you when you try to play in your hometown. So I don't. I have no regrets, but it was, it was, it was interesting. It was an interesting story after all that combine and all-star stuff was over that if I'd just been around on the board, I, I would have been an Eagle.
just, just missed it. Well, it is good for believing Chiefs because you know yes. I, I don't know yes. what we would have done without your presence on the team. Well, if you enjoyed this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.